Welcome to a special episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. Uh, we are excited to tell you that today we are being interviewed. So Owen and I have been lucky enough to get Tom from Barbecue Life to come on board and ask us some questions. We know as much about this episode as you do right now. So without much further ado, here's Tom. First of all, thank you for having me on, guys, and letting me host this special edition of the Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast. And for people that don't know me, I'm Tom from Barbecue Life. I was on the previous season, been interviewed myself, and I'm absolutely honoured that the guys have asked me to come on and uh, flip this situation around where I'm going to interview the guys and uh, see if we can keep them on their toes. They've got no idea what's coming up on this episode. All of the questions are from myself. We're still going to keep the barbecue bingo. We're still going to keep barbecue fouls as per every other meet and greet podcast. But all the rest of the questions are my own and the guys have no idea what's coming up. So the first I question... I'm super nervous, Tom. I'm super nervous. <laughs> super nervous? No, you're going to be fine. It's all going to be good. The first question I want to ask is what started your barbecue journey? Uh, I'll go first. Mm -hmm. um, I've, always, I've always been interested in barbecue. And when we, me and my wife bought our first house um, nine, ten years ago, she decided to treat me to my first Weber. So I got a, a Weber 57 centimetre kettle. Uh, it's still the Weber I use today. So nearly 10, ten years on. I make sure I look after it. Um, and as most people, I was just doing traditional British barbecue, you know, sausages, burgers, chicken kebabs. And I got... A little bit more into it as the as the years went on and wanted to start to try you know to do new things um lockdown happened and i thought oh i'm gonna be at home a lot more i tell you what let's let's try some smoking let's try some low and slow i think more people were starting to kind of experiment with that and it excited me that you know the things that could be cooked and uh yeah here we are a few years later and doing a podcast and it, you know social channels all about barbecue it's just i think the best way to describe it is it's kind of consumed me and dan mm -hmm. if we're not recording something we're posting something if we're not posting something we're cooking something if we're not we're texting each other three or four times a day about barbecue it's uh, yeah it's a little bit obsessive yeah our wives have become uh, kind of barbecue widows but um, I've never seen them so happy, or at least my wife, she doesn't have to talk to me, which she absolutely loves. And occasionally she gets nice food. Um, but yeah, so for me, um, when I was younger, my dad, particularly in the warmer weather, would do a barbecue every single Saturday. Um, also, it sounds romantic and beautiful. It wasn't. But we had a river in the bottom of our garden because I grew up in a village uh, in a valley in Wales. And quite often on the weekends, a guy would walk up and down the river using all the back gardens, the bottom of the back gardens, but catching fish. And then you could buy the fish off him for like stupid cheap. So we end up with like trout and stuff like that for like three pounds because he was just happy to be able to fish. And so my dad would do like fish on the brick built barbecue and stuff. He'd do like halloumi, do sausages, burgers, everything. So I was kind of brought up with that, went to university and had barbecue pulled away from me. And then life gets in the way, doesn't it? But of course, like Owen said, lockdown hit. And I thought, well, what else can I do? Owen had been banging on for me for ages about getting a barbecue and doing some barbecuing as well. So I picked up, I had originally a 57 centimetre 
Fire Mountain uh, kettle that was reduced on Amazon that was originally 250 quid, but I got it for like 160. And first year of all the podcasting, everything we did, I just, I cooked on that probably four to five times a week. And until it started slightly falling apart and needed maintenance. And then I'd had my eyes on a Kamado for ages, as people would have known from listening and got that and just haven't looked back really. Um, it's been exciting and fun doing different things, but um, very different from the barbecue I was used to growing up, particularly as my wife hates fish. So that's the one thing I never touch and get to cook, ironically. It's nice that you both started out on a kettle. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where my barbecue journey really took off was when I, I got the Weber kettle and I did the open style grilling beforehand, um, like what you guys have done. But yeah, it's nice that you both started in the same place. And it's a really good place to start as such a versatile piece of kit. And then you can then build on, um, build your skills, and then you know what other equipment you want to build on after that. It's, it's definitely a good place to start. I think so. And, you know, it's well documented because we've talked about it quite a lot on, on the show and with you personally, Tom, but I've got quite <laughs> a number of different barbecues now and lots and lots of accessories, a whole workshop full of them. But actually, I'm, st <laughs> I'm still using my kettle very regularly. You know, uh, I used it twice this week. I actually used both days this weekend, one with the rotisserie where I did a chicken shawarma and then I did a, you know, a pork loin uh, on the bone still. So a whole rack. And I, I, again, it's after 10 years of using that same barbecue, still absolutely love using the kettle. Whereas yeah, that... I, I've, I've moved across, <laughs> basically. I, I loved I loved the kettle and I enjoyed it, but I, I'm... I've got limited space in my garden, you know, not all of us have got mini mansions and like an acre of space to keep them all in. Um, and what I love about the Kamado I've got is you can do pretty much anything on it. Um, but it is very different from cooking on a kettle, as you know, and are the master of Tom. So it is very much a different art. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to go over Owens and occasionally cook on the kettle, even if it's only once or twice so far but you know wings on a kettle's a bit different isn't it compared to on the Kamado <laughs> yeah it most definitely is and I think that's something that I think the the kettle itself nails down better than anything else I've ever cooked on or or had cooked for if you've got a vortex in a kettle you your chicken wings are far superior unless you want to smoke them beforehand <laughs> and then get your crispy skin afterwards and then i tend to do that on the kamado but standard chicken wings in the weber kettle every time with a vortex and i don't think you can beat them mm. do you know what i don't have a vortex never used one well guess what Owen? guess what no. i i recently sold my um old kettle for space because my wife finally said look if you get rid of the kettle and the space that it's been living in because you haven't lit it since august last year um you can get like a big nice outdoor cooking area space to go with the card I was like fine done but i point blank refused to sell the vortex because i love it so much i thought if i ever go back or if someone like owen might want it then maybe i can rent it to him for a little while and you can <laughs> experience a play with it. it for a little while for you yeah, just, exactly. just babysit yeah. it until you need it back yeah feed it occasionally water it that sort of thing um but yeah you can definitely grab that and have a play with that owen i 
as an offer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about Vortex, so yeah, it'd be good to use, but I've, I've just never used... To be honest, actually, I don't cook wings that, that often. Hmm. Ah. So I, I, lo- I absolutely love the Vortex, and there's different ways you can use it as well. Like sometimes I used to occasionally flip it upside down and use it in a different way. And there's just so much you can do. You've got more control of heat. You've got more intense heat. If you want to set it up with a blanchers, there's loads of stuff you can do with it. So, Owen, why don't you cook wings? What have you got against them? Is it just something you don't do very often? Or is there a reason as to why you don't do chicken wings? I'm not a massive fan of eating meat off the bone as it goes. This is a carry-on episode, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Considering a lot of things, (laughs) a lot of things we cook, right, is on the bone. I even just said I cooked a pork pork loin on the bone. Mm. I, Yeah, I just, don't get me wrong, every time, I mean, and Dan came over at Christmas or Mm. just after Christmas and we we actually cooked uh, a shed load of wings because we were trying different rubs for, for different things. But, yeah, they're just not. I, I don't know. I don't dislike them. I just find them faffy for the return that you, the meat that you get for the amount of faff that it is. It's just, yeah, it's just not for me. If you ever go in a vortex, we could convert you because yeah. that crispy skin that you were going to get, and then as you say, all them different flavours. You just do a couple of wings with one rub and a couple of wings with another rub, and I think we could easily convert you into being a bit of a wing freak. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whereas at christmas um i broke up early from work for christmas because i had so much holiday saved up and the first day i had in the house with the wife at work and uh, my daughter still at school i cooked myself two and a half kilos of chicken wings and just sat there eating them happy loving life relaxing like you said it's fantastic as well to play with flavors on them because there's not many different things where you can have so many different flavor combos and quickly try them and enjoy them you know you've got 20 wings you could be playing four different rubs five wings each off you go and i've started using pork rubs on mm-hmm. wings mm-hmm. which is, is a strange way to go but it worked really well like um alton's barbecue world they did a collaboration with ano called honey monster mm-hmm. so it's it's a honey based porky style rub and it's fantastic on ribs i bat on some chicken yesterday and it is absolutely fantastic their flavors do cross over really well so it's push your boundaries on on your chicken wings as well and if you don't like it you're only going to chuck a couple of wings away or hope that somebody else is yeah. going to like them uh, yeah I, I agree about testing different flavors actually obviously before we started recording we were talking about rusty barbecue um we used uh hogwash yeah when, when dan came over so we were using hogwash obviously which is supposed to be for, for 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 pork but it did very very well on chicken wings yeah my, my favorite rub to use on chicken wings is pigasus i absolutely yep. i absolutely mm-hmm. love the the kind of candied feel that you get with it and i feel like it gives you that extra caramelization and it brings out the crispiness that bit more um I, I need to get more love, rubs in my life though because I absolutely love it. 
Yeah, there, there's so many out there to pick from, and they it could blow your mind. Mm. The different companies, as you said, Rusty Barbecue Company, they've got a fair few. I know have got a load, and then there's lots of little companies popping up that do three or four different rubbers as well. The, the options are endless now with mm. barbecue going as big as it is. I think yeah, it, it's it's tempting to find something you like and then never deviate away because you know you're going to love it, which is a dangerous game in itself. But th there's so much out there. And like we already mentioned, it was so fun over Christmas to sit there and just be like testing rub after rub after rub. I think we tested in total seven, oh, seven different rubs. I think it was actually more than that by the time was we it? did the steak, steak and yeah. everything. But yeah, I think we had a list of about 10 to 15 that we wanted to get through. It's a good day. Yeah, better, better than wine tasting, but you could do both, I suppose. <laughs> both. It's a nice lead into another question I had a bit further down the list of, do you regard yourself as safe cooks? So do you tend to cook the same thing on a regular basis with the same sort of rub on there? Or are you in a, more of an adventurous cook where you don't mind pushing the boundaries and trying to find something new and finding new flavours? Do you want to go first, Dan? You know what? I, I try and think of myself as adventurous, but the problem is anything that's particularly low and slow and the amount of money that you put into buying some of these cuts, um, I find that I keep going back to beef ribs because I know that I can nail it time and time again. And then, you know, I, I try to put a slight twist on it every time. Like I'll use a different rub combo. I'll use a different mustard combo. I'll try it with different sauces and things afterwards once it's done. So I suppose that's how I, I vary slightly, but it's always with the sort of comfort of something that I know to the point where if, I have to actually say to myself, you have to try something different for this cook and force myself to go away and do something. But if I'm cooking for myself, I would happily just cook beef ribs every single weekend and just get fatter and fatter and fatter. I'd have no problem with it whatsoever. Um, particularly, though, if you're cooking for friends and stuff, it, it, you feel much more confident in getting something that you know what you're doing uh, and sticking with it. I'd say I've probably got five or six stock barbecue meals that I feel I've got nailed and I just fall back to them if I'm cooking for people like on, on the weekend I cooked for 11 people I went right on beef ribs on pork ribs I'm going to do greek chicken kebabs um and I'm going to do spiced and candied halloumi for something that that feels a bit different because again halloumi is one of those things that people go oh just chuck it on the grill Dif different rubs bit of honey glaze it'll change your the way you look at something like that. So it, it's whether you, th I think that's going quite safe, but other people might say that that's a bit more adventurous. Does that answer the question? Or have I just said a bit of both? Yeah, well, you've, you've said a bit of both. So you've mm. said that you fundamentally stay safe, but you do like to push yourself um, when the time's right, basically. Mm. So you stay safe when you've got your friends and family around. But if you're by yourself, you're pushing yourself to try different flavours and different things. And then once you've pushed yourself and you really like that thing, that will be the next thing you're cooking for your friends and family, isn't it? So, Yeah, I hate experimenting when other people are around or nearby or can try it. I'd much prefer to fail by myself and then work on it um, and get it right. But I think you are more adventurous in the type of cuts that you cook, oh, I would say. Uh, yeah, again... 
I'm playing safe in saying that I'm somewhere in the middle um, in, in that when I'm cooking for the family, there's obviously just certain things that your kids won't try. It doesn't matter what you do with it. They're just not going to give it a go as much as we try and promote to try new things. So that sometimes restricts how much you try, depending on, you know, if you're just cooking for you and the kids and that. However, what I do try and do, I'm, I've, I moved house just before Christmas. So I've got a new butcher um, trying to get making my new best friend. And uh, every time I go there, I at least try to get something different, as in a different cut. So I went there last weekend and I've just got a gammon knuckle. Never had it before. Uh, it was a really, a lot of meat for a very, very cheap price. Uh, we're talking, it was like nearly two kilos for $3.99. Wow. Yeah. So, and it, I just thought, well, why not? Just, you know, give it a go. Um, so what I'm trying to do is, again, every time I go to the butchers, try to at least, yeah, get something that I perhaps wouldn't normally, you know, traditionally go for. Um, I don't mind taking a risk when people like Dan, the opposite to Dan. So, for example, Dan's going to be coming over to my house with a, with a few people mm. and his wife and that in a couple of weeks' time. I probably won't play it safe. I'll probably try and push myself because I know there's going to be a lot of people and I want them to try and experience something different to someone else's barbecue, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, no disrespect to, to say if we went around Dan's house, we know that we're going to get some good quality ribs, but I think perhaps I'd like to, to push and yeah, I've got a, a whole stack of recipe books and things like that. And again, just trying to, trying to do something different. I think I've gone through a stage recently over the last few months where I've actually started to become a little bit bored of cooking brisket because I've done it so much in the last two years. Uh, same for, for pork ribs. They're actually a rarity now, you know, for me, me cooking ribs. Um, so even if it's trying something like chicken kebabs, but I might do a Thai version and make a peanuts dipping sauce and make noodle salads mm -hmm. and all these other things. So it's, it's, yeah, just trying to elevate something that's quite simple to something that's better. So yeah, again, I think I answered, I answered the question in that during midweek, I stick pretty safe. At the weekends when I've got more time and perhaps when I've got people over, I'd like to try new things to try and expand expand the repertoire. That's that's brilliant. I, I like the way that you're complete opposite. So you're, mm -hmm. you're quite happy to experiment while you've got people there. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And Dan's the complete opposite. He wants to make sure what he's giving people is perfect but i think that probably comes down from listening to some of dan's barbecue fails over mm -hmm. the previous episodes where he has entertained for people and the cook's not gone well it's exactly that exactly that um I, i've got a barbecue fail for later from this weekend that is a typical that i wasn't happy with it but other people were but we'll go in more depth for that later and, and it's about that you, fear. Tom, just out of interest mm. I think I'm quite adventurous. Um, my brain's just full of random barbecue recipes. I've got a big A4 book and I just, it pings in my head and I'll write it down. Um, and then we go from there. As you know, like my Burgers Around the World series is mm -hmm. quite adventurous where I loosely take a cuisine. I know, I'm not sure whether I kind of offended Dan with my Welsh burger or not. <laughs> <laughs> and leaks in there and things like that but it's just about pushing the boundaries 
and trying to eat something else, especially in this country with our burgers. We just we take a, a crappy frozen burger. Yeah. We stick a bit of plastic cheese on there. We bung it in a cheap crap bun with some lettuce and tomatoes, a bit of ketchup, a bit of mayo, and we go, oh, this is fantastic. And it's not. It's complete and utter rubbish. There are a time and a place for eating your, what I would class as a Whopper-style burger with that. There's so much more you can do. And that that is where my passion lies about building fantastic burgers and really trying to push the boundaries of that. Like this week, we've done, I don't know, smash burgers, um, I've done some mushrooms, but I put a little splash of old balsamic vinegar in there mm-hmm. just to take the richness down. Then we put blue cheese, melted that on the top of the patties, and a bit of barbecue sauce. There's not a lot going on in there, but they all work together really well and just make that sing. So that um, balsamic vinegar that just takes the richness, it balances that richness out out of that blue cheese, so that it's not quite so tangy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just. Trying something different. I, I love trying something different. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I just have to say, like, I'm all for buying quality. And I think good quality food you you, you can't beat. Um, hence, you know, talking about going to the butchers, etc. And I try and buy as, as nice cheese as possible. I, I really, really, really enjoy cheese. But there is something, it's almost like a guilty pleasure, a bit of plastic cheese. <laughs> I don't mind a bit of plastic but cheese. There is a time and a place for it. But yeah. week in, week out the same slice of tomato and a bit of iceberg lettuce in you know, your Asda six buns that they cook in the store that are, are so dense and dry and, and horrible. It's, it's, you can just not spend a lot more money and have a much better experience. Yeah. I'm going to get on a soapbox now about burgers, which we haven't really discussed on the show properly before. Um, I was very angry with myself when we started the the podcast journey and things about how easy it is to make burgers and why people just go straight to pre-made stuff. It's easy to do. It's fun to do. It's cheaper. You have more control over the flavor and you get a much better product from making your own burgers. Like I've experimented with but I did black pudding burgers that, that were really popular on Instagram when I did them. And they were amazing. I've made satay burgers before where I've incorporated satay into the actual mix. And, and it just, like you said, something much, much different. And there's so much you can do with it. Please, anyone listening to this, don't don't buy a pre-made burger again. Don't. It's cheaper and better and you'll have more fun making your own. And you don't have to cut it with breadcrumbs or anything like that. You don't have to do it. Um, what I've been trying to do recently is experiment with different percentages of fat content. And again, a lot of people will tell you not to do this. My favorite at the moment for my butcher is the lean prime mints with 5% fat. But then I'll make sure I cook them in butter. So probably they get the extra fat content from that. But do you guys think about fat content in burgers when you're buying mints for it? Or do you just go for it? Oh, no. uh, yeah okay um i no i never think about the fat content you know it makes a huge, surprisingly big difference if you experiment with it you'd be you'd be surprised if i if i make my own burgers i will genuinely just get the again probably the leanest and best quality mints and put whatever i want in uh and, and just grill them i'm quite simple in 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 that respect actually burgers is probably what the one area where i don't 
actually spend that much time uh, experimenting. I'll experiment in other areas, but normally if I if I fancy a burger, I am literally just going to, you know, make a nice salt and pepper, you know, salt and pepper mix and just, that's it. Keep it simple. Whack a nice bit of cheese and bacon on it. That's I'm quite happy with that, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I, I know you experiment, Tom, but do, do you think about the fat content and the meat you're getting for, for burgers? Every time. Yeah. So if I'm doing a flame grilled burger, Mm -hmm. then I only use your lean sort of 5% fat because you don't get as many flare-ups there and it just makes it an easier cook. If I'm smoking a burger, so I want to get a bit more flavour in there, I tend to use 10 to 15% Mm -hmm. um, because it dries out too much. If you use 20%, I tend to find that they're almost too juicy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like you read a lot online about people saying it should be 80-20, 80-20, but it, it just it doesn't hold the same. The mouth feels different. The, it carries the flavours differently. The, the only time I use 20% or above is smash burgers because you need that fat content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I t- tend to use 20% on that. And what I did with my brisket trimmings from uh, the dry age brisket that I picked up quite recently I've frozen that, and if you just take a, a grater when it's still yes. frozen and you grate that frozen and then you mix that through, you add an extra bit of fat content in there, plus it's dry aged as well, so it's absolutely fantastic, full of flavour, and that can make a burger go from, like, hero, fr- from zero to hero, like, easy peasy, and the rest of it just goes back in the freezer. You don't need a lot in there. A few little shavings, and that can really elevate your burger. Yeah, sounds good. So what three cuts would you say are the best to try? So you can say we can narrow it down a bit more or broaden it out a bit more even by making it a specific dish, like we were saying about kebabs and you wanting to put different things on there, or you can just do three cuts that are, the best cuts for people to try that they might not have tried um i'll tell you what i'll, I'll go for what i would recommend people if they were first starting out and i mean a bit of it will be cut but just things that i think everyone should get in their repertoire and it will also disprove this fear of having a go at barbecue and thinking things will break and maybe owen can go a bit more in depth with cuts because a butcher's now his best friend um so <laughs> i i for me, three things to try and get in your repertoire. Whole chicken. Now, you can spatchcock it or you can just get used to cooking a whole chicken on the barbecue. It will sing compared to just doing it in the oven. There's something about the way that a whole chicken um, being licked by the flavours from whether it be like the charcoal or different woods and the colour and it holds the juiciness better. And again, if you're spatchcocking it, cut out the backbone, five minutes each side direct, and then just stick it on the right-hand side and temperature probe it until you hit 75. And make sure you're checking more than one place on the chicken. You know, classically, the legs and thighs and things will cook much differently than the breasts. But then depending on your barbecue, you might have hot spots and things, but just make sure that it's cooked all the way through. Once you've nailed that, start messing about with rubs and things. You'll have so many different types of meals you can do with that, you'll be laughing. Um, for low and slow, 
like I did a post about this on the weekend, beef ribs. You don't even have to wrap them. Make sure you give yourself time. And there might be a bit of a stall, but nothing compared to a brisket, just because the way it holds and the way that the bones will absorb the heat as well when they're cooking. But, you know, two and a half kilos worth of beef ribs, night before, salt, pepper, you don't need anything else. Um, if you're playing with rubs, maybe mustard it first and mess about rubs, but just start off, salt, pepper, get your barbecue to 115 Celsius, 120 Celsius, stick the ribs on there with a bit of oak. After three hours, check it, just keep an eye on it, bring it up slowly to 94, and then feel the probe until it's like butter. Simple as that. And it looks impressive as hell. And the final thing that I would suggest people messing about with is burgers, because everyone loves a burger. Make your own burgers, play with it, have fun, and you can impress people with a burger, particularly if they know you've made it yourself. And it's not difficult to do. Those are three things that I would recommend anybody starting out getting involved with. Good answer. Just, just, just on that, Dan, hmm. people may not feel confident enough to cook a whole chicken straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I know spatchcock is is obviously easier and quicker, and, and you know, still tastes great. But just to just to add on to your recommendation. If you're going to try to cook chicken for the first time, I'd probably go with a thigh. Um, Interesting. For, well, if you think about it, I think, A, because it's a, a juicier bit of, of um, uh, chicken, there's more flavour within a thigh and it's less likely to dry out. It's probably just a tad more forgiving mm-hmm. than a chicken breast. And, you know, once you've taken a chicken breast over, it's it's quite difficult to come back, come back and still <laughs> have a, a tasty bit of chicken. So... Yeah, I, I even just think some thighs sometimes. Um, On that subject, how what temperature do you take thighs to? I well, I mean, I cook any chicken to at least seventy-five. Yeah, do you would would you take a thigh past seventy-five? Uh, no, I, I no, I don't think I do. I I, I tend to I, I tend to take it off and, and rest. As, as with any meat you should rest but mm. uh no I, I as long as but what i'd actually no i tell you for why because by that time i like to cook my thighs skin down so that the thighs crisp at least the skin crisps up um i think if you'd cooked it the other way it might need to go a bit further by wanting to make sure the skin's crispy i think scar uh, thigh skin is not particularly pleasant you know uh, when it's not when it's not crispy so i think it's one of those with chicken isn't it there's no in between you need to have good nice crispy skin or you might as well not bother eating mm-hmm. um so uh, my wife <laughs> she'll hate me for saying this but it's true was brought up in a household where she's used to stuff being overdone yep um so like steak it pains me but she loves her as well done like she's been to restaurants and has been like, oh, I'm not enjoying this. I was like, that's perfect. What are you doing? Um, but um, I, I've been told off before for a chicken being too moist and too juicy. <laughs> so, yeah. So if I'm if I'm cooking for Steph, I mean, she, she's not a huge fan, fan of meat on the bones. It tends to be breasts. But um, I'll, I'll take it up to more like 77, 78. 
Um, and it just it seems to firm up a bit more, particularly after the rest, because if anyone doesn't know, like part of the rest is obviously the, the retention of moisture and it goes back in and it allows it to relax. But the temperature keeps going up for a little bit. It, there's still cooking going on. So, you know, it just it, it means that if you take it off at 77, 78, you, you're going to reach a higher temperature and it's just going to firm up a little bit. Again, it really depends on the audience. But if I'm cooking for Steph, that's where I'm taking it. Uh, we do the same here. Our chicken goes to 77, 78 before we rest it because my kids won't eat it. The missus doesn't enjoy it um, so much at 74, 75. We've, if I'm cooking just fries, I take them to 83. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I find the fat that content, more protection as well with the way that it's set up and, and the, the skin. They're still incredibly moist because mm. the amount of fat that, that is all the way through the meat. But I find a fire at 74, 75 is much chewier than if you take it to 83. And then I think the fat just breaks down that a little bit more. And I think it's a much more pleasant experience taking. So I do that with fries and with eggs. And wings tend to go higher anyway because they're, they're smaller anyway. Breast will go 77 thighs and legs go 83 you you're a very different cook to me owen what what three cuts would you recommend i really love pork pork is my favorite meat um and i i don't mind sticking a loin on there a nice loin joint mm -hmm. i really really if you can get some good crackling with a nice layer of fat that kind of drips down into into the meat while whilst cooking, I think that's that's pretty much pretty much a winner. Um, and it's really versatile as well. Pork, you know, most of us we you know have that as a as a uh, roast dinner, uh, but you know you, you can do it in, in you know, multiple ways. Um, I I would always recommend trying to cook in Turkey and. Christmas dinner mm. should be cooked on a barbecue, in, in my opinion. Um, so don't be scared to get, you know, this rotisserie. If you've got a rotisserie, get a turkey crown on there. Get that, get that on, you know, ro rotating. That'll go lovely with your Christmas dinner. If you can get a bit of cherry smoke in, into it as well, and that kind of really sort of pinky, dark pink that it goes, fantastic. Um, even if it's just a full bird, just like chicken, um, it's it's still really really good on the on the barbecue, and the third one, it's not really a cut as such, but if you've a good sausage, right? I know it's <laughs> I know we've spent a lot of time saying about we want to do more than a British barbecue, which is burgers and sausages. However, we've just spoken about burgers, but. I still think with all of the things that we've learned to cook on the barbecue and all of the different flavors and, you know, tools, accessories and that, sometimes you just cannot beat a very good sausage, high meat content, good flavor. Um, casing's got to be correct. You don't want a really thick skin. I think it ruins it. But yeah, just just a good sausage. But if we're, if we're talking specifically about beef as, as another cut, um, Obviously, brisket would be up there, but um, 
I quite like a Jacob's Ladder or like a Hanger Steak or, or, or something like that, really. So there's there's a few that I'm kind of torn between when it comes to beef. Depends what day of the week you'd ask. Brilliant. Good answers. I like that. I love how Owen serves his sausages at um, a barbecue as well, because I've not seen anyone do that before. And I, I do it now as well. But I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. So what do you do if you have people over and you're running a barbecue? How do you sort out your sausages, Owen? Uh, I mean, it's nothing special. I literally just probably, depending on, I would buy maybe eight to ten over the amount of people that I'm buying for. Uh, cooking for but then what i'll do is let's say i'm buying 20 sausages i'd probably try and get about five or six different flavors and all i do is just cut them up into little bite-sized pieces and almost have them as a spread with lots and lots of dipping sauces and everyone just gets toothpicks and you just literally pick which flavor pair it with your own sauce and yeah that's that's what i do with sausages that's how he starts a barbecue as well. That that's like that's the opener. That's how Owen starts, which I, I've, I've I've not known anyone else do that before in that way. Every time, a little amuse bouche. Mm. Yeah, like that. That's that's Good. brilliant. I I might just have to steal that to be honest. And to be honest, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I cooked sausages. Mm. It's been a long, long while. Well and truly overdue. So, um, yeah, I, maybe that's something for this weekend. Yeah, so uh, as I said, this this new butcher, um, you know, the quality of the meat's absolutely fantastic. But he does these jalapeno sausages, and they are they are bang on. And he and he does borovores as well, uh, uh, which is fantastic. Which I didn't have where I used to live, and you know, I'd have to order them online, especially. But he he makes his own borovores, so I'm, I'm really quite happy with that. So, what <laughs> one thing have you cooked? That you would never cook again. So either you really didn't enjoy it or the cook just went so bad that you will not go back there. Oh, straight off the bat, oxtail. <laughs> and it's quite it's quite recent, actually. I could have yeah, used this. I've seen the post. But the thing is, that post that I put on social media, obviously I, I very much highlighted it was a barbecue fail. But actually the oxtail, where I'd smoked it, it looked, I thought the actual picture looked quite nice, but it did not taste nice <laughs> at, at, at all. Um, I think a lot of the recipes online are very much about oxtail stew. And it's, you know, it's... it's. So I thought I'd try and do a barbecue version of that. So I smoked it for a couple of hours and then made a essentially a red wine stock uh, and then simmered it down for about four to five hours so it had a good six seven hours worth of cooking but it was tough as old boots uh, and I probably had maybe just over a kilo's worth and I just didn't feel there was a, an appropriate amount of meat on there and that meat I couldn't pull off the blooming bone <laughs> because I just I, I think I just didn't take it far enough um, yeah. We, I did the classic of not doing what we say that we should be doing actually on this podcast and, and most people in barbecue. I cooked to time. I didn't cook to temperature, mm-hmm. um, which was really silly of me. But yeah, it was so disappointing that it was one of those scenarios where 
And I also made some homemade dumplings, which I'd never done before as well. So again, we were talking about experimenting. So I've made some homemade dumplings. I thought I'd try something completely new. Never done oxtail before. Um, and we all sat around the table, me, my wife, and my two kids. And the looks on their faces uh, was just priceless. And you know, like, you want your kids to try things. But it was that bad. I just had to go. I'm really sorry. Yep. Should we have a frozen pizza? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ate my I ate my body's weight in dumplings because I thought they were all right, but no one else liked them either. But and I didn't want to waste them. I'm I'm not a big fan of food waste, and the oxtail wasn't particularly cheap. And that was the bit that annoyed me the most. That I had to throw it away because no one was going to eat it, and I don't have any pets or anything like that. So yeah, that that's I probably won't go back. Um, I have two, and I'll preface both of them. So the first one. Um, I love a Yorkshire pudding. I like cooking them on the Kamado as well. And I've taken a while to perfect them um, and get them to how I like to on the barbecue. I, I still tend to go to the oven to do it because once it's in your cooking area, you can't do anything else with it if you want perfect Yorkshire puddings. And that's a bit more difficult with something like a barbecue, I find. Um, you just need more than one barbecue. Well, yeah, that's the other way of doing it. Um, however, toad in the hole on the barbecue i did not enjoy at all because it takes that much longer because it's a lot of batter and i personally felt that the extra flavor that it takes on doesn't complement the batter right so it looked beautiful and the sausages were good but to me the actual batter itself tasted just of charcoal it wasn't burnt or anything it just it was too i can't even say i was smoking wood in there with it it was just it, it took on that flavor too much and it just it lowered the dish so i wouldn't do that ever again um because you know if, you, if you're doing something like a toad in the hole it might be in there for like 40 50 minutes and there's something about the way that batter absorbs that that charcoal flavor um and the other one i'm like going Christmas dinner is on a barbecue now for life. I love doing turkey crowns on there. Love doing whole turkeys on there. However, I did, a and this might be my fault, I did a turkey leg on there um, a while ago and it looked beautiful. And when it had the skin on it and the sauce that I'd put on the skin as well, that bit tasted great. As soon as I actually got down to when it was just the turkey meat, I, I don't know if it was because it was too samey and I didn't have it with anything else. And the fact that I was having a whole leg to myself, I couldn't finish it. It just got too samey and fatty in the mouth and the texture started feeling weird as I started going through it. So yeah, if I was serving it with other things, I would still either buy a whole turkey or a crown rather than just cook a leg. Mm. I wouldn't do that again. Well, what about you, Tom? Um... I did um, pig cheeks years ago. And like what, what I remember saying, I just couldn't get them right. It was tough as old boots. I smoked them to begin with, then wrapped them. Bit of barbecue sauce, bit of apple juice, bit of apple cider vinegar. And I just couldn't get them to work. I took them off. They were tough. Put them back on for another hour, hour and a half. Still tough get on with them and i've never gone back so that's probably mine it's probably something that i should go back and have another go at now that i'm a bit more experienced in what i'm doing 
Um, they're not something I see about anymore. They were quite popular at one point, and now I think they've kind of dried up a little bit. Literally. I had the same with I had the, <laughs> I had the same with Oxcheek. Um, I actually found Oxcheek uh, a bit of a, a bit of a no go as well. Um, they were soft. I got the the consistency, you know, to almost like a brisket. You know, it just pauses, you know, quite soft. But it had just like a horrible congealed texture. Yeah, it's like jelly. The, yeah, it was like it, yeah, probably the same as as a pig cheek. So I probably wouldn't do that again either. It, it was almost like I tell you what it was. It's almost like the I don't know whether I took it too far, but the fat that was coming out of it, I could only liken to wallpaper paste. Yeah, that's exactly it. So maybe that's it. Maybe we had both taken it too far. Hmm. So because I've seen other people do um, beef cheeks and they've been absolutely fantastic. So maybe it's just something we both need to revisit, do a bit more research, revisit and see where we're at and uh, give it another go. That's it. Maybe we can do it together, Tom, get a bit cheeky. Mm, bit nice. Hashtag cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> cheeky boys. <laughs> I'm going to jump in to barbecue bingo. So let's share my screen. And uh, let's see what we can find for you. Yeah, so I think what's exciting about barbecue bingo obviously everyone knows or hopefully knows by now what what the barbecue bingo is and obviously we have no idea what the ingredients are Thomas picked these um but what me and Dan have decided to do is once we have found what our ingredient is or our meal to cook um we are going to do a almost like a Owen versus Dan battle uh and then we'll put it out to a vote and uh <coughs> to do something on Instagram live cooking so we'll, we'll see how that goes date we're to be confirmed we're also quite different cooks like i think we're both better at cooking different things so this will uh separate us definitely <laughs> we're not going to have a similar outcome is my point <laughs> cool, i'm liking oh. some of the options on there so it has popped up for you guys that's great so yeah. the first thing i want to say is that i've got two tabs open on my screen Mm -hmm. and because they've reloaded they both now say the same thing which is really annoying because <laughs> the first tab i had was completely lamb top to bottom every different cup <laughs> because i know that owen does not do lamb whatsoever and i thought that would just be really funny but it's quite annoying that he wouldn't load um, so yeah we'll just stick with this one i would have given it a go as well just you know, not for, for the sake of not shying away from a challenge, I'd hated every minute of it and cursed you, Tom, but I'd have had a go. <laughs> uh, it's good it's good fun, but it's just, I didn't put any lab on this list, so I have been quite nice. So is um, there anything on there that intrigues you guys? Um, Like, for me, I don't get to cook fish on the barbecue because my wife hates it. So, like, the sea bass, the salmon gives me an excuse to have a go at it. Uh, the other thing which I think would be quite interesting is I personally don't like peaches, but then I think I'd have fun trying to come up with a meal that I'd enjoy using peaches, if that makes sense. What about you, O? Uh, pigeon, for me, uh, would be the one that I think would be quite good. 
I actually recently recently did a a Marcus Borden recipe with peaches, which was which was pretty nice. Uh, I don't actually like fish, so that would be quite interesting. Although I wouldn't mind getting salmon purely because I've just bought a cold smoker and I've got a salmon curing kit uh, <laughs> that came with it. So I'd quite like to smoke my cold smoke my own salmon and then cook it. So yeah, that'd be I'll good. try it as well because I love smoked salmon. So what about signature dishes for you both? And I'm going to presume your signature dish is beef chilties. Yeah, that, that, that'll be my go-to. Yeah, that's what I'll do for that. And then what about you, Owen? Oh, I don't know what my signature dish is. <clears throat> you do, uh, like, I think you do a lot of pork loin and pork neck compared to other people. Yeah, I I do something porky, although I... I don't know what I don't know what that would be. <laughs> Something pork based. Brilliant. Right, let's spin this wheel and uh, we'll have a look and see what it comes up. So we've got burgers. Burgers. So oh, I, I want to see something really special from you both. Cool. I love the burgers. So being that that is my absolute what I would class as my forte. It was my signature dish for you guys was burgers, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, my yeah. pork burger. So we could, you can really the boundaries here. I want to see something really impressive from you both. This is going to be really good to watch. I'm pleased that that come up, to be honest. I was hoping it might be that. I was hoping it might be pigeon mm -hmm. because it's not something that a lot of people try and that is something that I massively celebrate. It works incredibly well on the barbecue, and I would encourage you both to give it a go if you haven't already. Do you know, I, I need to do. I need to do just more gamey stuff anyway. So I'll definitely take you up on the pigeon. Um, I need to do duck more as well. It's not something I've really played with on the barbecue, and I love duck. It can be a pain in the ass to get the skin right, can unless it? you're doing it in a cast iron pan, where you start off. You tend to start off with a cold pan skin side down let that pan come up to temperature and then that helps render the fat out while everything's coming up and then you get a nice crispy in but then to me if you're cooking it in a cast iron pan you're not getting the best out of your barbecue see i was i was thinking about doing using a plancher and starting skin yeah. down on that and then flipping it indirect on the other side so yeah. i cooked a whole duck and i did it on the rotisserie mm-hmm um and basically made my own duck pancakes and made the pancakes from scratch with you know made a hoisin sauce and that type of thing the problem i have with duck and whilst i don't normally talk about the cost of things for me i love duck when i go to the you know the chinese i'll always have duck pancakes and i want it to replicate it at home i spent 15 pound on this duck whole duck and i just think for the same £15, you could get three times the amount of meat on a turkey or a, um, uh, on, on a chicken. And, I, yeah, so for me, I was actually a little bit disappointed. Not with the actual duck itself. The flavour was nice. I just think I was trying to feed a family of four, actually five, and you ended up getting like three strips of duck because <laughs> there just wasn't that much meat on it. What you need to do is find a local game dealer. Mm. So move away from getting that from the supermarket, find a local game dealer, and it will be considerably cheaper. I'm really lucky that I've got a bloke at work that 
um, shoots. Uh, he, he works with another guy who's pest control. So I get my hands on venison, pigeon breasts, duck breasts, things like that, because they're all um, animal controlled for when it comes to farming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you can get hold of a game dealer, and there is a Facebook group called um, Giving Away the Giving Away the Game, I believe it is, mm-hmm. um, and the, these are people that, that go out and shoot um, in a, a more sustainable ways. They're shooting farmlands and things like that, and if they've got too much, it goes on the Facebook group for a very small cost or free. If it's in your local area, you can go and pick it up. You might have to put a bit of work in and maybe pluck it yourself, things like that. But it's a good way to get hold of some really nice quality food at a much cheaper price. But yeah, Game Dealer is definitely the way forwards for when it comes to things like that because your butcher will charge through the roof because they're, they're paying the price that you can pay they're paying and then they've got then got to stick their profit on the top we probably wouldn't be as hygienic but i have got lots of pigeons in my garden <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> spud gun or a peep bin or a, a catapult what sort of potatoes are you using to use a spud gun <laughs> but this, this is school. the thing with with pigeon is that a lot of people when, when i say pigeon people automatically think trafalgar square and these millions of pigeons that are going around eating the bits of McDonald's chips and burger buns that people have dropped and Subway rolls and whatever else. And they're mangy pigeons. So a pigeon that you are going to get either buying it through a butcher or from a game dealer is proper wood pigeon that's been eating crops. So, yeah, it's a much better experience than if you were to be shooting the ones in your back garden, mate. <laughs> Plus, the thing is, it's always more exciting buying anything from a dealer, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, they're all done. <laughs> that was like the worst drugs joke ever. Hey, if they don't work, it just makes you worse. <laughs> right, so let, let's move this on. We, we've Please, Tom. Now, let's move it on. So, who are your top three barbecue influences? Let's start with Owen. Uh, Aaron Franklin. Um, I just think his American style uh, barbecue, the what he does with briskets, uh, I just think it's magical. So, um, I've, you know, I followed his YouTube. I've watched as many programs that he's been in, and when he's been judges on, you know, um, you know the American barbecue competitions. <clears throat> he also had the Masterclass series, which is a like subscription-based thing um and you literally spend 45 minutes to an hour watching him just make a fire but there's something there's something beautiful about that um so he's one i think from the uk marcus borden i think is just got you know fantastic um, depth of knowledge around barbecue he's really like really nice guy and he's got some fantastic fantastic recipes in his books um and then from not there's a couple of social media um people that i think's re- really fantastic um is there's someone who we've interviewed a lady called cara from scale and taylor so a canadian 
mum that just cooked some fantastic barbecue for her family. Um, so she, you know, she, I think she 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 does some fantastic stuff, but she makes it very funny. She, like she makes it really engaging. Um, so she's definitely worth a, a, a look. I know you only said three, but there's there's a couple of other female accounts that are actually fantastic, and I I do believe that we should be encouraging more. It, it's predominantly a, a, a male hobby, certainly in this country, and um, yeah, I think we should. There's there's a lot of fantastic um, female barbecuers, and um, they should be celebrated as well. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree, and. Marcus was one I was going to mention, but as you've mentioned him, I'll, I'll mention some, some um, other people. So uh, one of my favourite ones, and I watch a lot of his videos oh, on the YouTubes, um, is um, Smoking Dad Barbecue. Uh, He's brilliant. Know. Yeah, he is. I, I, re I really like his stuff. He, go, he can go really, really in-depth. He can also keep it simple. And um, he walks you through everything, warts and all. To, to the point yeah. where um, I watched one the other day where he was talking about, in his opinion, the differences between the Big Green Egg and the Kamado Joe, and even to the point where he was going through the warranty aspects of them and how easy it is to sort that out if anything goes wrong, um, which uh, other people aren't doing. It's all it, The food is important, but the thing about a barbecue is there's so many other elements to it and things can go wrong, and he'll go through all of that with you. Um, so I really like that. Um, th there's an account that I really like on Instagram, a woman's called Barbecue by Maisie. Um, she, she does bits and pieces occasionally with uh, Cara from Scale and Taylor. But um, she, weirdly, she was one of the first barbecue Instagram accounts that, that I found um, and really enjoy her stuff. And it's funny as well. Like she'll do some great cooking, but then she'll also just do random Q and A's talking about like anything and everything. Like it's not always barbecue. So it, it keeps it happy and light. Do you know what I mean? And there's always something to see there. Yeah. Um, I, from my point of view, I felt we were very lucky because I absolutely love um, Urban Streetery's feed. Like the flavor combinations, the colors he's got going on there. It's very different from a lot of the other accounts that, that, that you see and, and what people are doing with barbecue. I, I mean, we, I could have talked to Dan for another two, three hours just about like pickling and using pickles to offset some of the fat content and things like that, which you don't really hear that many people talking about uh, as much like on, on Instagram and just cooking in general. And it's a fourth, like Owen said, but I also want to give a shout out to Foster Feasts. Really, really, really good Instagram account, cooking. It's another female account because I'm finding that they are, you don't see as many uh, women barbecuing on social media, but quite often if you find their accounts, they're the best. <laughs> they do some great stuff and her account's amazing as well. What about you? What sort of influences? Do you go off, Tom? Uh, I'll probably put my number one as Greg from Ballistic Barbecue and Ballistic Burgers. Okay. The burgers side of things, I mean, Ballistic Burgers is a new channel for him. Um, he used to do his burgers just on Ballistic Barbecue, but he's got so many that he does. He's got his own separate channel for that now. And um, it's his style of 
videos and his style of cooking that really inspired me to to move forwards. Cool, um, those burgers are impressive, Jesus. Yeah, they're brilliant, and they you just have taken a look. Yeah, man, look now it's it's not an account that I that I'm aware of, so I wanted to look at it straight away. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, someone that isn't active anymore, and um, I, I don't even have any contact with anymore is James from Barbecue. So his account's still there, his YouTube channel's still there, but he doesn't put anything on it. I don't know what's gone on, mm-hmm. um, but if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing YouTube because I followed all his stuff and was commenting on his stuff and saying how I'd like to give it a go. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have had that encouragement to just go, you know what, do it. So he's got to have a shout out from me. I know he's, he's not active anymore, but 100% he's got to have a shout out from myself. Uh, Marcus, as you've said, um, the, the young lads, Aston and Alfie, mm-hmm. they are blowing me away with what they yeah. can do. They're um, the future, aren't they? They embarrass us, frankly. They're so good at what they do. <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and then there's uh, Tom from All Things Barbecue as well, um, who I've always loved. But now that I've got my Traeger myself, I need to really start going back and watching some more of his stuff, and picking up some more info about the Traegers. So, yes, yeah, definitely more than three. Hmm. <laughs> one of the one of the accounts that uh, or the channels that I watched a lot of was um, Justin from uh, Baby Back Maniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got a fantastic channel and he was really, he's really likeable. And I think he he does quite a good set of talking through barbecues, doing some, obviously some fantastic cooks. But what I quite like is he, he always, he does a lot of this kind of verses so that you get a good indication of actually cooking the same thing. What, what the, the differences are, you know, between the kit that you use. Um, so he was another one that I spent a lot of hours, you know, watching his channel. Do we review two guys watch Sam the Cooking Guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do oh. watch Sam. Owen, I, I mean, have a look at Sam the Cooking Guy. It's not all barbecue. He, um, he, does, he does some amazing stuff. He also does stuff that, I don't know if it's the American style, but feels quite off the wall flavor-wise with some of the things he does. Um, but he's... I love that. He's so charismatic. Like, he's one of the most interesting people to physically watch cooking. And the way that he interacts with the camera and what he's putting together. Um, yeah, so he's 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 fun as well. Yeah, and I don't even have to watch him. I can have it like if I put him on when I'm doing the washing up, so I can kind of flit in and out watching it. But I could listen to that fella all day long. He just keeps me engaged just by hearing his passion for cooking. So yeah, if if you've not seen that channel anybody listening then definitely have a look and owen you need to check it out yourself yeah definitely but watch it when you have the time if you can only listen listen to this again (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely definitely (laughs) on the subject of top threes if you could cook for any three people alive or dead Mm. who's coming around for you to cook for wow um I don't mind going first if you want time to think, Owen. Like, mm-hmm. off the bat, like, I'm a big football fan, um, Arsenal in particular, but I just think Ian Wright is such a personality. I would love, I mean, I'd love to just sit in a 
pub with him for even if it was half an hour. But like he's funny, there's a lot of personality going on, the stories he's got, um, all the stuff from like the Tuesday club where they used to go and like drink all the time and things or, or just and, and he's passionate. And I think that, you know, we have a proper laugh with him as a guest. Um, the funny thing is, when it comes to food, as I've said before, I almost wouldn't want to invite round a chef because I'd be feeling like they would be criticising and they're not criticising, but, you know, it's difficult to impress them, right? Do you know what I mean? Because, again, I think Gordon Ramsay would be a laugh and I think Tom Kerridge would be a laugh, but no thank you, I'm not cooking for them, frankly. Um, as a music fan, I think that Steven Tyler from Aerosmith would be someone interesting to sit down, have a meal with and talk to because the amount of stories that he must have and the fact that they've been a band for, what, 50, 60 years? You know, that there's going to be a lot of interesting things going on there. Um, and who would my final person be? I think the last person that I would like to have over is I would like to have over Leonardo DiCaprio, but specifically when my wife isn't over because she's obsessed with him. And it'd be great <laughs> to say that I've cooked for Leonardo DiCaprio and we had a great time. Oh, did you miss it? Fine. You know, <laughs> those, those, those are the three <clears throat> that I'd go for. So Ian Wright, Steven Tyler, Leonardo DiCaprio, and God knows what we'd talk about, but we'd have a good time. Uh, so I can, I'm trying to think of a third one in, in my head and I can't, which is annoying. So I'll try and think of it as I talk. Um, I'm the, again, complete opposite to Dan. I'd be calling Aaron Franklin over because if he says that I can do a good, if I imagine the sense of achievement, if Aaron Franklin said that your brisket is good. Mm. Um, equally, if it's bad, he'd tell you why it's bad. So it'd be a learning experience all, all the same. And I think, you know, striving for, for perfection, which I like to do, um, it would be very scary, but I think equally rewarding and just also just to try and get as much knowledge out of him as possible. Um, huge rugby fan. And whilst he doesn't play for my team, he does play for, for England, so that's good. But Joe Marler, I just think the guy is... Mm -hmm hilarious yeah, he's he such a character um and i think at a dinner party you wouldn't know what he was going to do which would, would would be quite funny um i really can't think of a third that's not perhaps a little bit boring uh, it can be anybody anybody you like alive or dead friend family yeah. celebrity anybody you like you so could, you could get a proper rugby player, Owen, and ask Neil Jenkins to come over. Yeah, no, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, equally, again, talking about rugby, whether he, he's interested in barbecue or not, I'd really love to meet Sir Clive Woodward. Yeah. Um, obviously, what he did with England winning the World Cup, you know, absolutely fantastic. I've read his, his book about it. I'm also listening to his audio book about... Um, being a leader and winning, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'd, I'd have a lot of questions for him. So I, I, yeah, that, that would be a third person. I like, I can think of two more, like one of which I think we should force on us just for pure chaos. Can you imagine Brian Blessed? <laughs> Having Brian Blessed over, which would rip apart the whole place. 
you know um so he'd be amazing i've actually paid to see him give talks before and he went over by an hour and a half and it was amazing um so that would just be pure chaos plus i love red dwarf i should have said craig charles in the first place but you know that's that that's just that's just me i want more people over why not like uh, i've forgotten this guy's name but what was you know that on netflix there was the american barbecue yeah uh, competition showdown shotgun Shotgun. Yes, is that was his name? Oh uh, yeah, Owen and I have talked about this before. He would be funny. Owen got a bit worried, but I would love for us to reach back out to Shotgun. I'd love to have Shotgun on 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 the show and talk to him. Like, I know he didn't do particularly well on the show, but the amount of passion and charisma behind that man is like that's everything that barbecue should be from a charisma point of view. Do you know what I mean? Um, even if he thinks 56 is the right temperature for chicken. <laughs> Tom, what about you? I knew you was going to say that and I haven't got my answers <laughs> ready. <laughs> um, number one would be my late grandfather. Mm -hmm. 100%. Not that he had anything to do with barbecue but to just sit down and have another chat with him and cook him some nice food would be absolutely fantastic so that would be my number one um celebrity wise maybe liam gallagher i've been a big oasis fan for as long as i can remember and i think that that would be a pretty wild uh yeah evening to have him around and then I've always said, you know, this, this question generally comes from if you could sit down in an apartment, you could have a pint with three people, who would it be? And the person that's always on my list, and it is controversial, love him or hate him, is Boris Johnson. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with everything that, that he does. But I think he's just such a bumbling idiot, and I think you could have such a, a real good fun. I'd get him up there flipping burgers and blah, 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 as he's doing it, and it would just be good fun, I think. <laughs> that, see that, that's a good when, when it in my head my head it works differently if i was picking people to go out and have a drink with like i'm guessing only you wouldn't have aaron franklin if you were going out for pints for example no. nah you don't want his personality you just want his skill that's what you want at the table <laughs> look on the off chance that he hears this he's got a fantastic personality and uh, i'm available <laughs> if you want to come over <laughs> just a short flight it'll be fine yeah <laughs> Uh, brilliant right so next question is if money is no object what is your next piece of equipment to buy oh uh yoda wichita it's okay. a huge i don't know if you've seen it before it's a huge uh offset smoker you know on, on wheels it's proper proper piece of kit it's fire you have to get them in, I don't think they sell them in the UK. You have to get them imported. Last time I checked, but obviously the cost of living has gone crazy since it was uh, about over five grand to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. An offset would most definitely be mine. I don't know enough about them to stick a brand on it, but yeah, an offset would be my next thing if I was to pick. What about you, Dan? Uh, so there's, there's two things in my mind. One of them I've been eyeing up for a little while. Like, I'd love a savage barbecue. Like, you know, the fire cages. I'd love one of those huge fire cages on a wall. And the amount of fun you can have with live fire with that, I think, would be amazing. And I've always been blown away watching the skill that people have when you see them at the shows. Like, 
if anyone goes to a barbecue show in the UK this year and Savage Barbecue are there, you will get so much out of just going to them. Talk, the lovely people, they will invite you around the back to have a proper look, proper talk it through and everything. You'll learn so much just for five, ten minutes with them. Um, so I'd, I'd love a Savage Barbecue. And for ages, I've been really tempted by a Kadai Fireball setup. I just think that you can do you can do a lot with it. Um, it feels a bit different. It's a bit of a centerpiece. You could also use it. I mean, you could if you wanted to. I'm sure you could set up like an asado if you wanted to. You could do like paella and stuff on there. You could have it just as a really interesting looking fire pit as well. Um, so those are the two things that, that I've kind of been toying with in my mind. One of them I don't have the space for. The other, it's do I take the plunge or not? Really, I agree about the fire cage. Uh, I do like the fire cages. Fire cages do look fantastic, but I like the idea of the fire bowls as well. Yeah. Um, but my garden is artificial grass and decking. Mm -hmm. So, uh, my biggest worry about that is embers. Yeah. They blow off, yeah. and then I've, I've not got a lot of patio area or standard grass that isn't going to catch fire so i just think i couldn't go there I'll, as soon as we get like a fire pit out in the summer when we've got friends around i'm forever stamping out embers so it just kind of puts that i'd be too worried to go down that route as much as i would love to go proper open fire cooking past experience will do that to you to be fair yeah <laughs> <laughs> how's the shack by the way how's the yeah it's doing all right i haven't but I think it's going to need to get a bit bigger now that we've got the um, the Traeger. So, yeah, it's going to need to extend, but it's not as easy as extending. My garden's not big and the shack's already a big part of the garden. So I don't really know what we're going to do. But yeah. I need to do something. The, the missus wasn't particularly happy when I, we've got, like, out, out the back, I've got a decking of a covered pergola. Mm -hmm. And I put the the Traeger there when I was cooking um, some Moroccan lamb last week. And it's it's a good sort of three metres away from the back door, but the the smoke in the house was unbelievable. Just could not stop it. <laughs> so it, it cannot live there. I've got to find space because she will kill me. I've got a little bit, we've got like a carport down the bottom, so I've got a little bit of space next to the shed where I could have like shack two. Mm -hmm. um like more of a lean to where the the trailer could go and then the other thing i probably should have said that i really want is a, a gosney pizza oven yeah yeah um like we we played with them we was at sizzle fest last year i don't know whether you two either of you two entered their um their little competitions they had no I, we we had a watch but we didn't neither of us jumped in but i i, I entered the the veggie round and won wow and then went through to the final at the end, which was which was pretty good. I got to play on them twice. And after I've been looking at the, the Unis and um, the Afresco Chef Ember, which just runs off wood, but I think I've got to go Gosney. So that, that could probably fit down there with the Traeger, but then it's out of the way. And I like to have I want the shack where I, I can entertain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but the greenhouse is in the way, so I need to move the greenhouse. But I don't trust that down the bottom with a little 
rags around here throwing stones. I don't think the glass would last very long. No. No, I don't. I don't really know what I'm going to do. I need a magic wand. I think. <laughs> <laughs> do what Owen did. Move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If only. If only. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about barbecue fails. Mm-hmm. So when uh, when you guys said that you'd like me to come on and host, I went back and I listened to. 95% of the previous interviews all over again. And what I've worked out as a rule of thumb is that, Dan, you're really forthcoming with your barbecue fails. Mm-hmm. And Owen, not quite so much. <laughs> so I want to know your barbecue fails, Owen. Dan, no disrespect to you. I know you've one to add, and we'll add that in at the end. Mm. But I want five minutes of Owen telling me what he's messed up over years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've obviously mentioned the oxtail uh, and the and the cheeks. Um, I have burnt myself twice within the last week uh, barbecuing. So I have now got a big burn blister on my leg where I wasn't paying attention after putting the chimney, after I've just lit it, down by the side of the barbecue and then basically putting my foot there. So I was using my Weber and it... I kind of have a row. So I've got my Weber, my Broil King Keg, and then my Weber Smoky Mountain. And I placed it in between the Weber and the Broil King and then leant over, with, stepped into it, forgetting it was there, and just obviously just burnt my leg. So I said I got a big blister on that. Um, and then this weekend, after a few beers, he says air quotes, um, I have burnt my arm, you probably can't see it or across because I'm covered in tattoos, but there's a big burn mark and I can't remember how I got it, <laughs> but I, I, I know it was from the barbecue, so it was either, <laughs> so I don't know if it was perhaps when I was trying to, um, when I was lifting the lid up to, to get the, sh- the chicken shawarma out, so just, that's two within a week, some pretty basic uh basic things around burning myself um what else have i done recently um i'm not sure i've got any other fails i can think of off the top of my head um i can think of one which you rectified but christmas when we had a few drinks you did the hanger steak and you were not happy with how the middle of that turned out yeah again it might be a common theme and perhaps that's why I don't promote it because it makes me sound like an alcoholic. But under the influence of uh, a number of beers me and Dan were drinking through the day, we towards the end of the night, we had a nice piece of hanger steak and we cooked dirty. Um, and we both wanted it rare, but I don't know if it's, again, perhaps my eyes were deceiving me after said beers, but I thought it read about 54 um, for getting towards rare to medium and it was it was still mooing in your defense a third of it was mooing and i would say it was blue it wasn't like completely raw but both the sides i mean we ate one third each both sides before you decided to do something else with the rest of it so um but you were not happy <laughs> Which is always fun to see Owen in a mood. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so 
Yeah, there's well, there, there you go. There's there's three fails there. Does that suffice, Tom, or do I have to think of some more? <laughs> I'm happy with that. How about you, Dan? So again, I, this is something we've talked about before on the podcast in the fact that we're always our biggest critics, whether people actually realise that or not. So I did I did the beef ribs on the weekend, which were great. I also did some pork ribs at the same time, and I was trying to do the three to one method. And I don't know if it's because of the way that the deflector plates were set up and, and where I had the pork ribs on the barbecue, but I put everything on for three hours, walked away as I normally do, came back, beef ribs, really happy with where they were. And I was like, Those pork ribs look done, which I'm not happy with considering that we're at 115 Celsius. They shouldn't be done after three hours. I need to be brown sugar and butter and wrapping them. And the bottom of the ribs, it wasn't burnt, but it was basically jerky. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and the top of them just had the colour as if like they needed to pull in. So I, I quickly wrapped them by actually change, like instead of having the normal side of the foil tab out, I tried to reverse it, try and give them a little bit more protection than also putting the butter and the sugar in and just kept an eye on the temp and it held and it felt like it was getting softer and softer and softer. And then I glazed them, gave them another 10, 15 minutes with the glaze just so it kind of set a little bit, pulled them off, rested them for hour, hour and a half. And they went, but the two bits that I had, I was like, these are far too, I'm not happy with these, these are chewy. And I know that I've now cooked for like 11 people. But then they were asking for more. I was like, well, you've eaten them all. But I, it's that thing where, where you're obsessed with barbecue and you get a normal person who's used to quote-unquote British barbecue, whether they're used to that sort of dry meat. But I was not happy with what I put out for people. And in hindsight, I actually would have binned it. I wouldn't have given out, even though everyone ate it. And that's probably more on me than everyone else. I have just remembered another fail I had recently, actually. Um, I bought a plancher for the for the Weber. Um, and I, <laughs> I thought, right, I'm going to make some smash burgers. And rather than using beef, I did pork smash burgers instead, so pork mince. Uh, I can't remember which flavouring I did with it. But anyway, uh, first and foremost, I forgot to season the blooming plancher because uh, I was just too busy to, to get in. Uh, and I was trying to make a, again, always thinking about content for social media. I was trying to make a reel, um, you know, for TikTok and, and, and what have you. So the first one I smashed worked quite well. The second one had stuck to the top, which then ripped apart, which then obviously basically, you know, messed up the uh, reel, although I still posted that anyway with a, bar you know, with a barbecue fail. But what I found is that they stuck because I didn't season it. And also now I've got a plancher that I've only used once that's got like six ring burger ring marks that I can't I can't get rid of. Um, so yeah, remember to season your season your tools, guys. Plancher over for a few cooks, season your other side, and then mm -hmm. burger marks will burn out if you've got it hot enough. Yeah. Yeah. I can't get burgers smash burgers right the the fat content's not right 
in I'm only buying supermarket mints, but the fat content's not right, and I find there's too much water in it. So it just doesn't work. I think the only way to be doing it is to be grinding my own meat and making sure that I've got enough fat in there. Yeah, they were yeah. De- they were definitely drier than any beef smash burger that I've done, and you know, uh, we're, we're talking what four minutes, four minutes aside or something like that. It wasn't yeah. like I was cooking, you know, cooking them for very long because you don't need to, obviously, because of the you no. know, how flat flat they are. But yeah, so I, I, that was that was a fail. Yeah, it's it's something I can't nail down right yet, but it's something I definitely want to get my head around in the future. Um, I'll add a foul in while I'm here, so the video will probably be out by now because obviously we're filming this, we're recording this in advance. Um, so I done, I bought some brisket from uh, a local-ish butcher. So I went to Ashford, so 36 minutes door to door it was. I bought a brisket flat and a brisket point. So the point I cooked it, and I cooked it for about two and a half hours, low and slow. Then I cut it in half and I froze half. And then the first video I did was uh, beef brisket burnt ends, and they were absolutely fantastic. Real f- brilliant cook, couldn't have gone any better. I froze this other half, and then I was like, what am I going to do with it? And I needed a cook that I knew that I wasn't going to have to reheat again afterwards. Initially, I wanted to do um, like um, Cornish style pasties, which we can't say them Cornish pasties because I'm not from Cornwall. <laughs> So, but then I thought I've got to heat that up with my carrots and everything else that's going to go in the Cornish pasties, cool it down to go in the pastry. So that completely ruled that out, which annoyed me. I was like, I'm going to do a beef ragu. So mm. pop this in with my my standard um, bolognese sauce that we've nailed down in this house. Everybody loves it. It's not traditional, but it is packed full of flavour. And I'm thinking, I'll put these in, we'll kind of cover it over the top with some tin foil, build up a bit of steam in there with a bit of gap so that things can still reduce down. And after sort of an hour and a half, two hours, these are going to really sort of tender up and I'll be able to pull them. Nope. Tough as old boots. <laughs> I don't know what gone wrong, but I ended up having to fish out these sort of inch cubes of brisket, chop them up, as small as I possibly could to put them back in for another half an hour where these small pieces then tenderised up and then it was then edible. But, wow. yeah, it didn't go, I suppose, kind of with your oxtail. If I'd have left it for another few hours, then maybe it would have been all right. But I was yeah. up against it with time. It's, it's a family dinner for everybody. Yeah. I've started cooking it mid-afternoon. It's now getting into the evening and everybody wants to eat including me, who's smelling all these flavours, <laughs> and it just weren't going to have it. And I was getting to the point where I had to keep adding a splash of water to the sauce because the sauce had thickened up so much, Yeah. but this brisket still hadn't tended enough. I was out there with a kettle, give it a splash, loosen it up a bit to reduce it down again further, which was a bit annoying. But, yeah, that, that's a foul for me. Uh, final question for you guys then is what piece of advice would you give to a beginner starting out barbecuing? Let's start with you, Dan. Cook to temperature and don't be afraid to give it a go because everyone starts from the same place. You know, even Aaron Franklin at some point didn't have a barbecue, 
And the only way he's got to where he is is by trying and failing. And don't be embarrassed by your fails. Worst comes to the worst, you have a beer and you laugh about it with friends. But if you don't have the go, you'll never experience top quality food because some of the stuff that you can create with a bit of time and the enjoyment of doing it, because it's great for your mental health as well, getting out there, having some time by yourself. If you're doing like a five, six, seven, eight more hour cook, the amount of time that you're going to be spending outdoors by yourself, relaxing and enjoying fire, it's just there's, there's no negatives to be had. Throw yourself at it, but cook to temperature, not time. Yeah, completely agree. How about you, Irene? Um, I think I'd say if you're if you're an absolute beginner, don't feel the pressure of looking at Instagram accounts and YouTube channels and think that you need that you need to cook briskets and that you need to cook short ribs and all these things. There's nothing as, as much as we want to elevate British barbecue from burgers and sausages. There's nothing wrong with cooking those things if you do them well. So keep. I think whilst you're getting used to your barbecue, and actually probably the first advice is invest in a, a decent barbecue. If you've got a something decent with a lid. Yeah. Correct. has to be something with a lid. You shouldn't be going to buy an open top 20 quid barbecue from B&Q. It just won't give you any longevity. So, but apart from that, keep it simple. Do something that you're comfortable with and build yourself up. You don't want to set yourself up to fail straight away by doing something too, too uh, ambitious and then not, and then just be disappointed. You've wasted a lot of money, time, and then you're less likely to continue. So that, that would be my, do something good, do something simple, but do it well, and then move, move on to try new things. <sighs> Do you know what? Um, absolute beginner, because I didn't know about this stuff before I looked into it. Like indirect will change your life. If you've never done a barbecue and done indirect cooking, it will change your life. And going really simple here, if someone's listening to it because they like food and they've heard us talk about it before. Indirect is simply keeping the food on a surface that's not directly on top of the heat, it gives you more control, it allows to, you to cook in similar sort of ways you would in an oven, but you get the extra charcoal flavors. And cooking that way and to temperature will change everything you cook on a barbecue. You, you're not gonna get the experience of the burn outside and a raw inside of a sausage again, but at the same time, you're gonna get so much more flavor from how you're cooking it. That'll change everything for a complete beginner, indirect. Go and have fun. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I reckon probably the vast majority, unless I'm cooking steak, I pretty much do everything else indirect. Mm. And depending on the steak, you, you might even reverse sear it. Of course, yeah. What about, okay, as someone who has done the world supply of educational videos for people on YouTube, walking them through everything, even from lighting a barbecue to how to save your shack if you set it alight. What would you say, <laughs> Tom, to, a, like, what advice would you hand out? Um, is, is everything that you've both said, two-zone cooking, so making sure that you've got a, an area in your barbecue where you've got coals and an area in your barbecue where you don't have coals, or 
um, you have like a deflector plate so that you've got an area that doesn't have that direct heat of the radiating straight up from that coal. That is the most important thing. If you're just dumping it straight over them hot coals, then you are going to burn things, as Dan said. Cook into temperature rather than time so you're not overcooking things. We've, we've discussed all sorts of temperatures on the podcast right earlier on in the episode. Chicken, uh, 74 is where you need to be. 75, stay alive is, is the rhyme to remember in your head. That's what I'm installing in my son now, who's really intrigued in the Traeger because it's easier to use for him. He can set the temperature and off he goes. So yeah, these are the things I'm installing him indirect cooking. Obviously in the Traeger, it's all indirect anyway, because you've not got that direct heat source. Cooking to temperature, making sure that you're monitoring the temperatures on your barbecue. Airflow is massively important. The more air you've got going in there, the hotter things are going to be. So you can restrict the amount of air with the, where your air is coming in and where your air is coming out. Keep your temperatures lower. It's better to cook on a lower temperature for a longer time than a higher temperature for a shorter period of time. You're going to get a, the same, a, a better end result by cooking it a little bit lower and for a long period of time. Yeah, your chicken skin's not going to get as crispy, but it's not going to dry out and be a nasty rubbery bird. So, yeah, Temp temperature over time, indirect cooking, everything we've already said. Yeah, well said. Brilliant. Right. I've got one little thing left for you guys. So I'm going to have to not look at the screen because I've got to look at my notes. Mm -hmm. So I've got a quick fire round for you guys. So okay. I want to do, I want to start with one of you and then question two will go to the other one of you. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right. He, he is odd. <laughs> <laughs> So, lift, lift me book up. So, Dan, you've got to come straight in on the second question. Yeah, no hesitations, straight in your answers. Smashing. So, first first question is lump or briquette? Briquette. Day or night? Night. Light or dark? Light. Chicken or ribs? Ribs. Pork or beef? Pork. Hot and fast or low and slow? Low and slow. Beer or spirits? Beer. Wet ribs or wet ribs or dry ribs? Can't speak. <laughs> wet every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wrapped or unwrapped? I can't remember who's answering this one. You. I'll go wrapped. <laughs> uh, brisket or shorties? We're going to know the answer. Shorties. Yeah. Sweet or savoury? Savory. And foil or butcher's paper? Foil. You're wrong. Brilliant. Butcher's paper. <laughs> <laughs> depends, it depends, yeah, depends. depends what you're cooking. You're putting in it. Mm -hmm. Completely and depends on what you're and in you could do more with foil than you can with butcher's paper. Yeah. I can make a tin hat. <laughs> Keep the aliens away. <laughs> yeah. Bloody government. Uh, that's a whole, that's a new podcast. <laughs> So that's it from me. I've got no other questions. I hope you two have enjoyed me 
taking over your podcast and turning things around on you guys. I've certainly enjoyed doing it. Um, and it's been a great honour for you to invite me on and uh, have some fun with you guys interviewing you. No, it was really good, Tom. It's actually really refreshing uh, and strange not knowing the structure of uh, of what we're supposed to be talking about. So uh, that's probably why we seemed that we didn't took us a few seconds to answer some questions. Normally, we're obviously more far more prepared and have a bit of structure. But no, it was it was, it was quite refreshing. So I appreciate you coming on. Brilliant. Don't get any ideas either because that was good. Keep doing what you're doing, right? Don't talk to other people. (laughs) Don't talk to other people. Don't do a podcast. (laughs) And I I have tried on on my channel and it just doesn't work with my audience. Um, So I I interviewed Russ from the Rusty Barbecue Company. Mm -hmm. Um, I've interviewed Marcus um, when his barbecue school first took off. Um, And now I'm no one watches and listens to me interviewing people so it's it's nice to come on to a structure that's that's different where people are tuning in to listen to this side of things where i think on my channel they're more interested in the cooks and the information side of things so yeah it's been really nice and if you ever want me back again whether it's as a guest or to to mess about with you guys then i'm more than willing to come back i very much enjoy both your company well, at least now I know when I've booted Dan off, I know it's cool to help me out. Do you know what I mean? As a co-host. <laughs> Comes down ill and I can fit it in, then by all means, I'm just a, an Instagram message away. But one more time. Come, becomes ill. Becomes yeah, ill. becomes ill. Becomes Air ill. Quotes. Gets shot um, by an Owen-shaped bullet. Um, but for, for everyone listening, Tom, tell them who you are one more time. So I'm Tom from Barbecue Life. So we're fundamentally a YouTube channel, um, Kamado style cooking. We've got Weber Kettle. We've now got a Traeger Pro 22. Um, so we're going to be doing information on that. I'm going to be learning along with you guys. I don't know anything about elite smoking. Um, it's completely new to me. It's something that my son wants to run with. So we're looking at maybe running a a feature within the channel his name's charlie so we've set up a minute instagram account as char grills um where he he's already claimed this trader as his own so i think we're going to be doing short snappy style videos with him doing that but yeah we're barbecue life on instagram we've got barbecue life facebook page barbecue life community group on facebook as well come along share your cooks if you want any advice we're a nice friendly bunch um yeah, that's basically it. That's me. What about you guys? What are your handles for the people that don't know? So uh, my personal one is Welshman Barbecues. I, I still do quite a few bits and pieces on there, uh, particularly if I'm worried that it's not quite right for the pod page, if I've got something wrong or I've done something a little bit different. Um, but o- Owen has now focused most of his bits and pieces to the podcast page, right? Yeah, so I do have a, a personal account, which is uh, Back Garden Barbecue, um, although predominantly the, that's, I've stopped putting stuff on there and I'm kind of using that as a vehicle to promote the podcast uh, and putting all, it's pretty much exclusively putting all my cooks now on the, on the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, uh, and we are moving more into YouTube. So we have you know, all of the guests like this episode will go up onto, onto YouTube. Um, 
but we're starting to, you know, do things like how to prepare ribs. I've just done a cold smoke, cold smoker unboxing, and I've got some videos to upload around actually cold smoking. This is a little bit different. Um, we also have a meet and greet barbecue podcast uh, Facebook group as well to try and, you know, get people to to share their cooks. Um, and I think that's about it, isn't it? Although we do have a, a merch store for podcast merchandise that, that we are building at the moment. So we've got some t-shirts and mugs and aprons and things like that that are, are available um, with some more stuff to come on, um, which you can find on our website. We'll eventually push that a bit more as well. But at the moment, we can't take photos of each other that we're happy with. <laughs> <laughs> we're, try we're trying to vogue it. <laughs> it's just not working. We broke one camera with taking photos of each other. So, you know, we're worried about breaking a second. <laughs> Mate, you need to get one of the wives in. Get, get, get one of the wives in wearing your apron. That'll sell them. That's the way to do it. On that point, have you thought about doing a special called Barbecue Wife? So there's a video that came out a couple of weeks ago um, for my kebab, like Beat the Kebab Shop series. Mm -hmm. And the flatbreads video, that's actually my wife's hands making them flatbreads. And my mum did actually comment on that and go, they're not your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I did think they were very manicured. I thought you just yeah. looked after yourself, Tom. Yeah, I've normally got bits of grease in mine from work and things like that. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's we we're umming and ahhing with um, doing a, another bit on the channel, uh, Barbecue Life's bit on the sides, where she does side dishes. Although she's not my bit on the side, but it <laughs> it, it works it quite works. well like that. But um, it's. It's something that's up in the air at the moment. It's the same thing with with the boy and char grills. He might decide to run with that. We, we might do one, and he goes, "Not interested in that anymore." I'm going back to my Xbox. I'm hoping I can keep him intrigued. Um, he, he does love cooking and he loves being outside, but he's autistic. So if I can't keep him 100% engaged all the time, he's off looking for the next thing to keep his brain going. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Great stuff. Well, th yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for uh, guest guest uh, hosting the show. It's been great. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much, Tom. Cheers. That's it for the special episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast. What an episode that was! Not knowing exactly what was going to be happening, it was fantastic to have Tom uh, guest edit, and I hope you enjoyed the episode too uh, as ever we, we do want to hear from you if there's things that we're not talking about on the podcast that's really important to you and, and around barbecue please get in contact through our social media through our website uh, through email at meet and greet barbecue podcast uh, the website is meet and greet barbecue podcast.com uh, we have a new podcast merchandise shop on our website where you can purchase t-shirts with our just keep grilling uh, uh strap line uh there's mugs and also if you want to meet greek barbecue podcast apron they're available too so this has been a special episode we're in the process of recording our fourth season so keep your ears and eyes peeled for that fourth season. We've got some great guests lined up and until next time, keep on grilling. <laughs>